right. one. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cosmos with Cosmos is high in the sky. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We got people on Twitch. And um, in this, we will be taking a look at the night sky. See what's up there. Yeah. Um, And with the... um, with all the world on fire, basically. Um, yeah. You know, it's clear skies. There's no it, pollution. So it's not even wildfire season yet. It's not even wildfire. <laughs> and yeah, so um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about a little bit about what's up there in the night sky and go out and look at it. And uh, before we do that, though, um, as always, I'm Mike. I'm Liz. I'm Brandon. All right. And that's us. And um, uh, please follow us on all the social media things, Twitter, Instagram. So Twitter is uh, uh, Drinking Cosmos. Uh, Everybody else is Cosmos with Cosmos. So Twitter, Twitch, just follow us. Like us on iTunes. Listen to us on Spotify, uh, Google. Apple. Because just, we're devious, devious mm-hmm. heck. Mm-hmm. You can also find us. Um, I know I said I was going to do this, but you can also find us on Anchor.fm. That's our new hosting site. And when you listen to the podcast, uh, you'll hear a little bit more about Anchor.fm uh, later in the show. All right. So as always, we have rules. Whether it is high in the sky or whether it is um, cosmos with um, regular cosmos with regular, cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and those rules are: if a dog barks at a leaf. At uh, another dog or whatever, go ahead and take a drink. Uh, another rule is any kind of Star Wars reference, take a drink. Any Lord of the Rings reference, take a drink. So I like your Middle Earth accent there. All right. All so. right, let's get into it. All right. And now we have Mike with the astronomy news of the week. Mike, take it away. All right. So we got a few things. Um, we got a bunch of things, actually. Um, so let's talk about the planet that was... And then wasn't. Oh, what happened? Yeah, it just literally disappeared. <laughs> All right, so um, uh, we're talking Uh-oh. about uh, uh, Fomalhaut B, uh, first image by the Hubble Space Telescope <laughs> in 2004, one of the first, quote-unquote, well, first direct image, quote-unquote, exoplanets mm-hmm. that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, by 2014, it was no longer visible. It had disappeared. <gasps> I know, right? So, what caused it to disappear? I got an idea. You have an idea. (laughs) Well, if it is, it was never a planet to begin with, (gasps) then you would be right. So, they think what it was, was two, it was the collision of two comet-like bodies that were about 125 miles across, and it was just perfect timing that Hubble was looking at it and saw it. And um, so it looked like a planet, and everybody was all excited. Man. What are the, the odds? odds? The odds. Those odds are astronomical. Hey, <laughs> you know what? I, I like that. I'm going to take a drink for you that. Take a drink now. All right. Yeah. So we all well, have to take a drink. You can keep drinking because I thought when the planet disappeared, there are some Death Star shenanigans going on. Oh, now which we was have the to clear go. joke to make, guys. It really was. It really was. Hey, I'm just giving the news, man. You ha- you should have jumped in with that joke. <laughs> More like. Alderaan B, am I right? Right. So as the as this um, this collision <laughs> as this collision of uh, debris mm-hmm. uh, expanded, um, it got to where uh, Hubble just couldn't see it anymore. And they think it's about micron size, but also they noticed that um, when they found it and they plotted it, it was um, highly elliptical. In fact, so elliptical. It wasn't elliptical. It's actually going to, it's on a path to actually leave the formal hot system. Oh, wow. So the planet that was and then wasn't. I really have wasn't. a stupid question that I don't know if we'll know off the top of my head. Do we know how old that system is? Like when I think of comets and asteroids colliding, that's like heavy bombardment period, not right. Well, I think, years after I think Fomalhaut's a pretty young system. And if okay. you want to take a look at what the um, what the early days of our solar system was like, I think we study Fomalhaut. It's, re- it's relatively close to it, uh, to us. It has a big rust, I mean, dust band around it. Um, so I will try to stall as... I know, I'm trying to look it up real fast. <laughs> as, we, as we Google. So the dust size right now is about a micron size. And they also noticed that when they found it, it was very bright in the visible, but not in the infrared, um, which you huh. would kind of think for, for planets. 
Um, and I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I don't have anything else. I don't know. Come All on, right. Wikipedia. Give me something. All right. So anyway. <laughs> All right. So um, moving on. Um, black hole murder. Ooh. Yeah, so this isn't a new one. This is actually from a year ago, from April 12th, 2019, okay. um, by LIGO. <laughs> More like from a billion years ago, Mike. Come on, with the light traveling. Come on. Yeah. So, uh, so this was a year ago, yeah, um, by LIGO. Um, but w- what they did was they kind of reexamined um, the data, and they noticed that the, um, the light curve of this collision mm-hmm. was not what they expected for two black holes about the same mass. Um, so LIGO has seen about 10 collisions of black holes, binary systems that have collided with each other, mm-hmm. I mean, that have merged. All of them have been about the same size, um, except for this one. The more massive one was four times the mass of the other, other one. And I really like the quote. The quote comes from Christopher Berry, who uh, is uh, at Northwestern University. He is a um, uh, gravitational wave um, scientist. Dude. Yeah. yeah. And Enthusiast. His quote. <laughs> Professional. His quote, quote to describe this is, this is roughly equal to the ratio of filling in a regular Oreo to that in a mega stuff Oreo. Investigations of connections between Oreos and black hole formations are ongoing. <laughs> Which brings up, I think, an important conversation about the optimal size of Oreos. Um, double stuff, I think, is the happy medium. Single is uh. a little too much. The mega, the mega is just insane. You can't eat that. So that Wait, is one big I'm sorry. Oreo black hole. Mega is not a double stuff. There's more. There's a nope, there's higher more. level than double yeah. stuff Oreo. Double stuff is your average American Oreo. You know what? We need research. Apparently, we need (laughs) scientific experiments. All right. That's that's essential, right? I'm an Oreo enthusiast, so (laughs) double stuffed. I like you and uh, you and Christopher Bear should get together. (laughs) Do some science. (laughs) Anyway, continue. All right. So um, uh, Einstein proven right again. It's getting old oh, news. I mean, is he ever going to be proven wrong? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think so. All right. So um, the European um, Southern Observatory's very large telescope, the VLT. I love that. <laughs> VLT, very large telescope. Thank you for making it easy on us, space people, <laughs> yeah. space professionals. Because we have smaller brains. Than <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the VLT um, observed a star, and that star's name um, S2. So, not the most. The sexy star's name. name is S2? Yes, yeah, it's called S2. S2, yep. That's okay. <laughs> All right, so um, it orbits Sagittarius A star. Um, and um, so, what they did is they've been looking at it for 27 uh, years. Do you want to just explain for anyone who doesn't know what Sagittarius A star is? Um, Sagittarius A star is the supermassive black hole, which is roughly 4 million times the mass of the sun, located at the center of our Milky Way galaxy. Pew, pew, pew. It's it's our big... It's ours. It's ours. Our black hole. We claim it. It's our daddy. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, you're all going to fall into it and die. Yay! Yay! You gotta get real close, though. You I mean, get, you gotta get real. Close. No, we're falling into it I now mean, as yeah. we speak because um, normally I would say uh, we wouldn't. We're too far away. We're just gonna continue to orbit around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the universe is so fucked up right now. Yeah. Pretty sure we're gonna fall into it. Okay, I'll accept that. I mean, <laughs> it's probably just with a the better way, way this year is going. It's possible. Anything is possible. I'll I'll take death by yes. black hole. So death all right. by black hole. Anyway, um, so when we look at the, um, so, all right, let's go back in time. Um, Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton, he comes up with his universal gravi- uh, theory of gravity, um, okay. and all orbits are closed orbits. So that means when you go around the sun, and when you, when you on January 1st, you're at a certain point mm-hmm. in your orbit, and you spend the, you spend a year. Marching around the sun, people are excited. Yeah, we're going. They're having babies. Mm-hmm. They're going to the beach. January first, you come back, according to Newton, to the exact same spot. Ooh. Yes, ish. All right. 
well, to the same spot with Newton. <laughs> um, but if you look at, well, yeah, that's right. I mean, it is a little bit of an ish, but it's a very small ish. <laughs> um, Einstein's like, no, you don't have closed orbits. You, um, you actually will have an object uh, as it orbits whatever, the sun or this black hole. It actually precesses. It doesn't come back to the same spot. Ooh. It actually, that, that spot of closest approach actually kind of rotates around that object uh, over time. All right, so they mapped out the, the orbit of S2 which has a period of 16 years. And um, they found out that it truly does not come back to its same spot. It actually precesses around the black hole precisely as one Mr. Albert Einstein predicted hey. 100 years ago, over 100 years ago at this point. So um, we actually see this effect in our solar system with the planet Mercury. Mercury okay. is so close to the sun, we can actually see its precess mm -hmm. around the sun um, as it marches around the sun. Is that why it said like Mercury observes? Wait, what? what is it? Something observes like Newtonian physics and anything else observes in our solar system a different. Maybe I don't. What, well, I mean, if you basically can get away, at least like on first order, um, just uh, everything obeys Newtonian physics. But, but Mercury was the first object in this it was like one of the first tests mm -hmm. for einstein with his general theory of relativity um if his if his theory was correct it had to explain mercury and it did okay because newton newton um couldn't explain it yeah. if you use newton's because he got bonked on the head with an apple <laughs> fucked him up but just a, just a little bit just enough to not take him to einstein level <laughs> Damn apple. <laughs> Fucking apples. Damn apple. Never trust an apple. Um, just real quick, um, S2, when it is at its pro closest approach to the black hole, which is only 120 AU, um, which is not far. One AU is the distance between the Earth and, and the sun. So this star gets really close. In fact, it is the star that gets the closest to the black hole Ooh. and still maintains an orbit. Um, it is traveling 3% the speed of light which is 5,580 miles per second. It is traveling. It could go from New York to L.A. in a second. <gasps> That's like almost teleportation. It's less than a second, it's actually. It's like teleportation. It's less than a second. It's half a second. You can get there in about half a second. Wow. Yeah. Take that bullet train. <laughs> I know, right? Um, one final one. Um, and um, this is because Hubble is um, celebrating 30 years in orbit. They have released one of the most oh. beautiful yes. and fascinating pictures yes. um, that, that, I, that I've seen from Hubble. They're calling it the Cosmic Reef. Um, yes. It's these two nebulae. Um, these two nebulae are in the Large Magellanic Cloud, which is about 163,000 um, light years away. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and um, it's a companion galaxy to the Milky Way. Uh, if you happen to be down in, say, oh, there you go. If you happen to be down in um, uh, New Zealand, you'll mm -hmm. be able to see the large and small Magellanic Cloud. Um, there it is. Absolutely beautiful. The, um, the, um, the red one is NGC 2014, and the blue one is NGC, um, I think it's New General Catalog, um, 2020. And oh, it's absolutely that's just, absolutely beautiful. That's sweet. That's space porn right there. That I, is just. I, I love space so much. Look at Ooh. that. I know. So we we have it on top of no. Just we don't need to see Brandon anymore. <laughs> no. no. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> That's fine. I get it. Look at that. Look at that. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so um, uh, if you haven't seen it, well, I mean, clearly you just saw it, but um, um, go out, download it. And, and blow it. Put it on your fucking God, wall. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Gorgeous. Um, question from Twitch uh, by Rio. What makes a galaxy a companion galaxy? It orbits the Milky Way. Well, in this particular case, the large and small Magellanic clouds orbit the, the Milky Way galaxy. So yeah. we call them companion galaxies to us. And in fact, we're cannibalizing those galaxies. Yeah, we are. We're will. eating it. And it's, it's scientifically called, my favorite scientific term ever, galactic cannibalism. Yes. I love it. And, you know, I, I it used to be that the large Magellanic Cloud was the closest one to us, but I think they found a dwarf one that is 
actually in the process of being ripped apart Ooh, by us. Yeah, so sense. technically it's closer. Um, but I, I could be completely wrong on that. That's great. I, and I, I love how every year Hubble will release some kind of glorious picture on its birthday. A couple of years ago, it was like Andromeda yeah. and then the Eagle, Eagle Nebula. Mm -hmm. And they're just mind-blowing and amazing. Um, also, I think it was last week before that, NASA put out the website where you put in your birthday. And it'll show you like what uh, image it was released that day on your birthday, which is yes. kind of neat. That's really oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. And I was going to wait till the end, but everybody... Um, join us next week. We have a great uh, episode on Hubble, on the Hubble Space Telescope, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we have a very special guest, um, a uh, friend of a friend of ours. And I, I love the fact that I can say um, <laughs> I can name drop and say no. He actually is a friend of mine. He is. Um, we um, we have actually worked together on presentations at uh, in Phoenix. It is Professor Jeff Hester. If you do not know who Professor Jeff Hester is, he is the um, he is the astronomer that took the incredible Pillars of Creation shot mm -hmm. through the Hubble Space Telescope, and he will be joining us on Cosmos with Cosmos next Sunday. I'm so Woo! excited. Yes, so very, very much looking forward to that. And that's all I got. We got like real fancy, sciencey people coming on. We got, we got people. We got smart people. people. To come on. <laughs> what, we are we, what are we gonna do, Liz? What are we gonna do with ourselves? <laughs> well, we're gonna make jokes and shit. That's what we're gonna make. We'll, we'll let the fancy physics people uh, <laughs> do the real science. Proplid's a funny word, huh? Oh, Proplid's <laughs> and eggs. Gotta get those space eggs. Yeah. So yeah, that's um that. Yeah, I'm very excited yeah. about that. Well, uh, thank you, Mike, for the astronomy events of the week. Now, Brandon Riddle, take it away with the rocket launch of the week. Brandon? Thank you, 1940s Liz. Um, so, with our rocket launches, of course, with the world being as it is, it's kind of at a standstill. Uh, for the next two weeks, there's only one rocket launch on schedule. Wow. And that rocket launch over is kind of exciting. It's May 16th. It's on the Atlas V from ULA. And it is the super secret space spy plane, the X-37B. This is a really cool uh, thing. Not so super secret if we know about it. <laughs> oh, no. It's really tough not to know about it because, number one, when it's up there in the sky, everybody on Earth can track it if they wanted to. The, <laughs> ha, where does this super, super secret spy plane name come in? Okay, so it's a super secret spy plane because it's 29 feet long. It's about 10 feet high. <laughs> 15 feet across. Okay, that's pretty specific for a super secret. That's not big. No, it's not big, but it's very specific for a... We know that. it's. You say it's about 10 feet tall. No, you have nine and a half feet in the note, so we know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I worked at the facility. No. Um. <laughs> so we, we know the size of it because... You can see the thing come landing down, so people can line up whenever they think it's going to land and just take pictures of the thing. And go, wow. oh yeah, it's about nine and a half feet up. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, so it looks just like a small space shuttle, but the oh, thing wow. is, we have no idea what it's doing up there. Oh. Um, officially, it's testing instruments, but that's kind of like being a communication satellite. Hey, hey, what are y'all doing? We don't really know. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it does land like a shuttle. Uh, the last couple times, this landed at the shuttle landing facility down at Kennedy Space Center, and it goes up there for a while. So of course, the space shuttle went up there for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, this last one, OTB four, went 780 days up in space. Oh, that's the one that went up there a lot. I mean, for yeah. a long time. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. For two years. Jeez. Okay. All right. What was yes. it doing? For so so long. it's it's impressive that they can go up there for so long and come back absolutely fine and then launch again. In now, fact, its third mission right before this was 718 days. Wow. So and this is just all flown remotely, right? Like there's obviously no yeah, not a person, I, people. It's too confined monkeys. to put people up there or to put monkeys or Leica up there. It's too small for that. Um so, yeah, it's all remotely controlled. And you can see, again, where it's at in the sky. So, like with a couple of the Russian spacecraft, we can tell when it's getting really, really, really uncomfortably close to U.S. satellites, which has happened a couple of times. Ooh. Yeah, but the X-37 here hasn't gotten too close to satellites. So, it's not, it's not doing anything nefarious 
well that we know of <laughs> that we yet. see <laughs> so can we volunteer somebody to go into it i don't care how cramped it is I, it seems like is it more for, for like, like two a years? space drone yeah two years it's fine it's a, i don't yeah, it's, care it's how long they're up there it's a space drone it's a space drone all, all you have to do is tell them it's Space Force. They'll volunteer themselves. And then we don't have to worry about Trump anymore. So, yeah, that is May 16th. That's always a fun lunch uh, because you can see it go up, but then they cut all cameras after like 30 seconds. <laughs> like, oh, hey. <laughs> like, here, knows? enjoy this. And then. Yep. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back to our rocket launches. We still have 14 launches that are to be determined that were supposed to have launched the past month or two, but are not. Aww. So we got a good size backload coming up. Fucking stupid pandem- pandemic. <laughs> Damn you, pandemic. And, right. And those are only going up. All right. So because we don't have many rocket launches to talk about, we're going to dive into some kind of general space mm-hmm. industry news. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting first off with the big news. Uh, this is on May 27th, SpaceX is for the first time in 11 years launching humans from American soil to International Space Station. Ooh, so this is super exciting. That, yeah, we're not, we're not hitching a ride with the Russians anymore. Nope. Which the is kind of terrifying yeah. because let's hope everything goes correctly and well. <laughs> I, I think the Russians were up to uh, costing NASA like $94 million a seat. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Originally, back when the shuttle retired, it was only like $20 million, but it's kept going up and up and up since then. So, yeah, we got to get off of uh, the Soyuz. Uh, So that's May 27th. Uh, The next High in the Sky, we're going to talk far more in depth since we have plenty of time. But the one thing I do want to say, if you happen to be in, like in the south area by Florida, don't go travel to watch it. Uh, there are no Mm-mm. hotels that can accommodate you. The restaurants no. are closed down. Yeah, stay, it, stay, do stay home. <laughs> All right, so that was a small rant. I have a small rant coming up next. Oh, boy. <laughs> SpaceX. Uh-oh. SpaceX, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they've asked the FCC permission to operate the Starlink satellites at lower orbits. So right now, it's at about 1,000 kilometers up in the sky, a little higher. And they went lower to 500-ish kilometers. Okay, cool. Why do we give a shit about that? A mm. couple of reasons. Uh, number one, by lowering the orbit, it allows those satellites to naturally deorbit within 25 years, which is awesome. Uh, at 1,000-plus kilometers, it could take 70, 80-plus years to deorbit naturally. Uh, so if they break, they can't come down. It helps declutter the orbits. Quick okay. question. What is the uh, – where's ISS? ISS is like 240 miles. Okay, uh, so it's a little bit speak, it's below. It's a little bit correct. below this 540 kilometers. Yeah, the ISS really is not high up in the sky. All right, so that's uh, roughly about 400 miles up. Okay. <clears throat> gotcha. So, yes, they're closer to the Earth, the Starlinks are, so they can come and deorbit easier. Uh, but... As they get closer to the Earth, they also get a little brighter, the... a lot brighter, which is an issue already. Uh, so I've had a couple people already, you know, call me or text me. What's this weird thing I see in the sky? And for ages, I would just say, oh, it's Venus. Don't worry. It's <laughs> Venus. It's bright. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but recently, they were saying, we see these trails of lights in the sky. What? Oh, I go, son of a bitch. It's the Starlink satellites. Uh, mm-hmm. Get used to it because... Our sky will forever be moving um, if we continue on the current path. Because not only SpaceX Fuck. want to put their 60,000 satellites up in the sky. Amazon, uh, they want to put a constellation of satellites up there, about 20, 25,000 satellites. It's just a mess. Uh, so we got to no. figure out how to dim those lights immensely and to deorbit them when the time's up. So, for example, SpaceX bringing the Starlinks closer is a good step to deorbiting them but it's gonna mess up astronomy the natural world and just the sky yeah so what so what is spacex doing to combat this uh, potential new brightness well spacex said because they're closer to the earth they're more often be an earth shadow (laughs) all Uh, right i mean what (laughs) all right (laughs) i i guess sure uh but then uh about a month ago, when they launched 60 Starlinks up into space, they had two dark sats. These were experiments in which they tried to decrease the uh, um, albedo mm-hmm. um, up there in space. And it, it took the brightness down 55%. Oh, 
which sounds great. Um, but according to Tony Tyson, who's the chief scientist for the Vera Rubin Observatory, they need to be marked by 10 to 20 times that. Yeah. Whew. Uh. So, yeah, SpaceX is still working with astronomers to bring that brightness down to, you know, not ruin the natural world and to actually do science. Because <laughs> when you have these Starlinks constantly going through the sky, mm-hmm. it will ruin the science. Yeah. Uh, so if you decrease it by 10 or 20 times, at least we can take the signatures out and get, you know, science still done. Yeah. Um, so there's still a long way to go if they want to put tens of thousands of satellites up in the sky. And that's just SpaceX. We have others as well. I feel like this should have been resolved before they fucking put shit up there. Oh, no. See, and this is, this is what happens um, when you're not an organization like NASA um, or a mm-hmm. U.S. government agency and you're just a, a rich guy. Fucking capitalism. God damn it. Who what he wants and then tries to fix it later. Like, what, one of the things they wanted to try to do is put little tiny black umbrellas to block out the sun on these Starlinks. <laughs> what? Was this the Umbrella yeah. Academy? <laughs> this was on an article from spacenews.com. They uh, want to the put SpaceX little umbrellas? Tiny, little tiny space umbrellas to like block out some of the light or something Musk like that. is the penguin. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my weekly SpaceX rant. Uh, okay. Join us next week for my, next, my new rants. Uh, but up next we have the Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. Uh, <laughs> We can rant about that too if we want to. But the news for the Space Force is that beginning May 1st, you may join or add your application to join them. So they're looking for 7,000 enlisted airmen and officers are going to be asked to join them. And right now, if you go to uh, usajobs.gov, you can go apply at will. You know, I'm going to check those jobs out. Or now, does anybody in the Space Force actually get to go to space? No. Or this is just completely another no. name for the Air Force. <laughs> just no, a no. such bullshit that came out it of fucking bullshit. Orange's and, ass. Uh, <sighs> join, join me next week when I rant about the Outer Space Treaty and how ways it's just been thrown away. All right. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's move let's on to Mars. On. We still Last have thing whole, like, good news. nice guy to get to. Yep. We, we got good news Mars. and fun news here. But we're, we're shorter, kind of on track with time. Thank you very show much. Lane, uh, so not really. No. no. <laughs> so um, go ahead. Quickly. Mars. Mars news. So every two years, the planets align in such a way where we can actually launch things to Mars. So this year, it's, uh, of course, July through August launch window. <laughs> So in this case, we have China's first satellite and rover going to Mars. Uh, that's going to be the Tianwen-1. And that means questions to heaven, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's oh, nice. That's, I like that. That's romantic. Mm-hmm. Questions? I, I guess it was like a 12th century Chinese poet. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so again, satellite and rover. And the satellite, for some cool. reason, is still going to take uh, imagery of the planet. Even though they could use NASA's imagery because we have super high definition they pictures. They want to use their own. They want, they their, want their own. Shit. Yeah. I get that. But I'm, I guess NASA probably can't work with them anyway. So, all right. I get that. I, so I like. Sorry. I just want to interrupt because Ron says, um, I call it shoot stuff at Mars season. Yes. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> and uh, Ron also mentioned the Mars copter. Yeah. That's NASA's baby with Perseverance. Ooh. Yes. Pretty damn awesome. Mm-hmm. That'll be launching again, uh, July, August time frame, and be landing mid... There's an exact date in 2021. Like, even if it launches in, like, early July or late August, they can still fix it to where it's going to land on this exact day regardless. So that's kind of cool. Oh, science! But when it does land, when this, you know, souped-up curiosity lands, it's going to have a flipping Martian helicopter attached to it, and it's going to be awesome and cool. I hope... I really hope, and this is so ridiculous, that I hope, other than the success and awesomeness of this rover, but I hope that there is a competing sarcastic perseverance Twitter account <laughs> to compete with sarcastic curiosity rover Twitter account. Brandon's Brandon's Dips. making it. Brandon I'm going to talk to sarcastic rover myself. Yes, and you guys should have sarcastic <laughs> rover Twitter battles. We just All be right. so sassy. All right, one last thing. Uh, the UAE is actually going to launch in the orbiter as well called Hope. Uh, so UAE is going to launch off a Japanese rocket as well, and they'll get there again mid-2021. Nice. So, so, so people, we have things to look forward to. 
Yes. <laughs> and Perseverance right now is NASA's highest priority mission. So okay. all the stuff they got is being pushed into this because they cannot miss this window. Otherwise, it'll end up like European Space Agency's a Rosalind Franklin rover, which was delayed to 2022. Right. So hit the, hit the spot. Let's do this. Nice. Yeah. So um, as much as the world is on fire, there's still hope. There's still hope. There's Wait, still hope. There's yes. still hope. I guess that's UAE, you're my only hope. But that's what drink to that. But also, the world's on fire. I forget the next line, but that's the way I like it because I'll never get bored. I, I, I am so ready to get fucking bored right now. On that note, let's hear a word about our sponsor. I tell you what, why don't we move on? Uh, let's move on to what's up after sunset. What's high in the sky? What's high in the sky? Liz, what's yes. high in the sky? There's some things high in the sky. A few things. A few things. So if you go outside after sunset, um, and and uh, this has been there for for a bit now, but looking to the west, there is a bright object, and that is Venus, still hanging out with us, still still chilling in our in our evening sky, the setting the west now. Bright in the sky, folks. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it looks very bright. I'm, it looks so fantastic, getting closer and closer to the moon. Yes, check it out. And it's it not out. a UFO, folks. It's not a UFO. Even though some people think it is. Of course they do. Of What isn't <laughs> a UFO to some people? I swear. Okay, so Venus is hanging out. Um, and then we have some uh, constellations all the time at night. Everywhere there's constellations. But we're just going to we're gonna know a couple of them. Um, Orion. Um, Orion, of course, very famous constellation. Easy to spot. It's setting earlier and earlier in the west now as we move further away from winter. Yes. It's spring now. I've had to do yard work. <sighs> Ugh, I, I was going to say, like, the daisies are popping, the flowers are blooming. Yeah. But I guess we got to do yard work. <laughs> fucking yard work. Dandelions all over the fucking place. God damn it. <laughs> so Orion's going away. Um, and more springtime and summertime constellations are starting to come up there. Um, and one springtime constellation, which we are going to talk about a little bit more later, we're going to get into the uh, mythography of it. Ooh. And that is Gemini. Winter. It's a winter constellation. Is it a winter constellation? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, it is setting in the West now, isn't That's it? That's why I whispered it. Oh, thank you. Well, it's, you know what? <laughs> I'm okay being wrong. That's fine. <laughs> it is a wintertime constellation, and that's Gemini. And you know what? Since I picked the constellation that we're going to tell the story about, I, I picked it because it's my my last hold on to winter. Is it oh, okay? <laughs> yeah. That makes oh. that makes sense. It's it's high in the western sky after sunset, um, and it's marked by two bright stars that are right next to each other. Um, one is more bluish, and one is more orange yellowish, and those are um, Castor and Pollux. I don't remember which is which. Uh, Castor is the dimmer of the two. Okay, which they, which color? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, it, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, Castor is on the side of Capella. Oh. Okay. The seas hanging out together. So again, uh, for those of you at home listening or watching Twitch, um, you can use Google Sky Maps or whatever the Apple version is if you have an iPhone to help you locate things in the sky. And it'll tell you what's up there. It'll actually draw out constellations yeah. for you. And so that's a very handy tool you can use. Or you just give one of us a call in the middle of the night. Say, what am I looking at? (laughs) Like, that's Castor. Is it dimmer? It's Castor. Which I've had have my, you know, like my mom or my dad be like, there's something bright. And I'll be like, yeah, that's this. Thanks. I love it. Um, And so uh, you have a Gemini up there. And then... um, so the people have added more notes to what I initially uh, put in here, but I will go ahead and read these notes. Go, go for it. All right. Uh, in uh, in Gemini, there is an open cluster M35. There's also the Jellyfish Nebula and the Eskimo Nebula. You're going to skip uh, Jaminga? I don't know what that is. What it's a is neutron that? Star. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? I thought it was a typo. It sounds so cool. Okay, no, it's Jaminga. a neutron star. Jaminga. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to skip that? So this somebody named this neutron star Jaminga? Of, Jim, of Gemini, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'd like to point out that if you've ever watched anime and um, the the uh, they will say in the anime, if they're referencing Gemini, they pronounce it Gemini. 
Um, I don't know why I just thought well, that relevant. Also, if you go back to the early 60s, so cricket. Listen, to Nash, listen to NASA astronauts talk about the Gemini program. They always call it Gemini as well. Oh, interesting. Which is weird. Are we pronouncing it wrong? No. What alternate? You say it with confidence. <laughs> Do what I want. And seven of the stars in uh, in Gemini have exoplanets. <laughs> I mean, there's exoplanets everywhere. They're all up there. They're Just all up everywhere there. Everywhere you look, there's an exoplanet. Exoplanets everywhere. Let's all, all right. have a planet. <laughs> so uh, a little bit later, we'll get into the story of Gemini. That's our constellation story this week. Uh, but moving on, a uh, springtime constellation that's getting higher in the sky earlier in the evening, which we've talked about, is Boaties. Boaties. the herdsmen. Um, And then we also have... Hercules, Hercules, high in the sky. It's beginning to rise in the east after sunset. Um, it's more of a like a summer autumn constellation, uh, really. And it it's um it's it's uh not a very bright constellation, so you will need a star app to help you find it. It kind of looks I would always reference it as as a, a squished spider. Oh yeah. It's yeah. kind of like if you connected all its stars, that's what it would look like. And that gives me nightmares. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, another uh, constellation, more summertime constellation, because it's rising early in the morning now. Um, that is Aquarius. The water bear. The water bear, yes. Um, of course, it is one of the zodiac constellations. So meaning that it is located upon the ecliptic. That is our the plane of our solar system projected up on the sky. So the sun will pass through it. It means nothing in your life has nothing to do with what's going to happen your personality, your money income, but or your love life. What if Aquarius <laughs> is in retrograde? That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. Aquarius in retrograde? You can retrograde? throw retrograde in anywhere. It means nothing. I guarantee uh, right. you somewhere, somewhere has something about that. Let me tell you, if Aquarius is in retrograde, we're fucked. that means Something's we're fucked. Something's gone horribly wrong with, with the physics, Earth's rotation um, and its I orbit. Think, I think we're that's all the fifth horseman. I think the fifth horseman <laughs> is retrograde. I think you're right. <laughs> And we only have the third horseman up uh, this month, so we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Aquarius rising early in the morning. Um, it's also like kind of a fairly dim uh, constellation. Are we going but... into the age of Aquarius now? Stop. Like, thank you no. for saying it because I was going to. <laughs> you, this might be the second show in a row that <laughs> something regarding Aquarius has been <laughs> has been noticed. But there is something later in the month that I'm going to get to that's going to be happening with Aquarius. It kind of, in essence, from its direction, we'll say. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, first, I want to get to some notable deep sky objects that you can... Me ranting about astrology should be a series. Yes, it should. Fuck astrology. <laughs> 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 <Video>. <laughs> you gotta read. Oh, wow. I and actually like, called out like one of our like, two listeners. half the people listeners. I work with, I'm sorry. I love you, but stop it. Anyway... <laughs> The things I get into on All right, chat so network. what are the notable deep sky objects? Notable deep sky objects uh, in the next couple of weeks are M5. Um, this is a globular cluster. In fact, they're all globular clusters that I'm going to talk about. So these are like oh, these yeah. kind of like very tightly bound ball of stars that are spherical um, and they basically orbit the um, core of our galaxy. Um, and spiral galaxies are known to have globular clusters. Um, so M5, it's located in the constellation of Serpens. This is a very dim constellation in light polluted areas. Um, but you can see this, this, this cluster um, with binoculars or a small telescope. Uh, and then the other two are M13 and M92. These are both in the constellation of Hercules. Hercules. M13 is the larger one. Um, and uh, But M92 is pretty impressive. And again, binoculars, small telescope, uh, are, are these you can you can see these. So yeah, those are the notable deep sky objects. Now some events coming up for the evening hours uh we have the arrival of the third horseman so <laughs> that's gonna be on um oh, it, may it, 7th 
at um, 3.33 in the morning. <laughs> okay, let me just tell you, if something happens at 3.33 in the morning on May 7th. I should have picked May 13th. Going to, there's going to be an earthquake in Utah. Oh. Again? Okay, don't even, don't even joke about that. There's been too many. There's been, There's too, been many. too many. I lately. don't live in California, and I felt more earthquakes than. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so All right, the no, horsemen are coming. Yeah, the horsemen are coming. Um, May seventh. There's a full moon, and this full moon is called the Flower Moon. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so you may have heard that like different full moons have have like names with them, like Harvest Moon and Wolf Moon and. I don't know what the other ones are, <laughs> but this one's the flower moon. And so these these nomenclatures are derived from Native American and colonial times that they use to help them track seasons. Brandon, do, would you like to say something? No, I, I, I've liked space for a while. You know, I, I've looked at the moon for quite some time mm-hmm, and talked about mm-hmm. space as an interest for a long while now. Yeah, I've never heard of flower moon. Oh, like every month there's some kind of new uh-huh. main moon. I've never heard that before. I know, right? And I, I haven't heard of Flower Moon either. It's, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's more moons I haven't haven't heard of. But this also actually goes by Mother's Moon, uh, Milk's Moon, uh, Corn Mother's Planting Milk's Moon. moon. <laughs> Milk's Moon? Milk's Moon. I don't know. Maybe that's when the cows are in season for the milk. The cows and- are in season? <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know the mindset of the colonial. Oh man, we we are just like super twenty first century people here. Hey everybody, <laughs> the cows are in season. So basically, the May full moon is it's it's called the flower moon and, and all this because it's marked it, at a time of increasing fertility with the temperatures warm enough for safely bearing young. Near late frost and plant in oh. bloom. So basically, what oh it's my. saying is this is a good time to have a baby because it's not the middle of winter. Let's so you want to make sure that you get busy nine months prior. So <laughs> you have a baby in a, you know, when it's all right time or something. Well, I don't know. In three months, we're going to make a baby. I mean, so good, you know what, good luck with you that. You know what really pissed me off about the movie Arrival? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we've, all, we've all seen the movie, right? If you haven't, spoiler. Beautiful movie about linguistics and aliens. That Great soundtrack. soundtrack as well. But at the very end, during the climax of the movie, um, the Archer guy from Avengers leans in and he Hawkeye. says, Hawkeye leans in and says, let's make a baby. And it completely <laughs> ruins the goddamn moment. Uh, yeah, plus when, when, are, when are men known to be the su- one suggesting to make a baby? <laughs> Other than you just now. <laughs> anyway, so May, it's well, a fertile season. You got temperatures warming up. It's, it's the fertile fl- for some. It's the flower moon. You want to hit that flower? It's it's the May flower. The May the flower. May flower. <laughs> All right. Oh, should we I move to the early morning yes, hours? Yes. If you like waking up early in uh, in the morning, then there are and three Pina planets. Carabas. Three planets you can still see hanging out in the eastern sky. They are from west to east: Jupiter, Jupiter, Jupes, the brightest one. Jupes. Followed by Saturn. Followed by a reddish one: Mars, god of war. So there being a nice uh, a nice line there, and then. An exciting event that's best to see in the early morning hours coming up May 6th through 7th. This is a meteor shower. Mm. The Edda Aquarids. This is where Aquarius comes back into play. So uh, this meteor shower, it'll appear to be coming from the direction of Aquarius, specifically named after the brightest star in Aquarius, Edda Aquarid. Edda? Edda? Yeah, what's Edda? Edda. Um, and this meteor shower is actually one of two that is created by uh, Comet Haley. Nice. Yeah, so we're basically passing through um, its tail. These particles get burnt up in our atmosphere, causing these streaks of light to go across. What's Hence, the other one? meteor shower. I don't know, Mike. I didn't look that up. Do you see it in the notes anywhere? Yeah, I do. This <laughs> creates the Orion meteor shower, oh, which peaks around October 20th. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is in the notes. It is. I was giving you a fucking Look, softball question. This is my second drink. It is right there. Don't ask me questions. I also I also like how it was Comet Haley. Like wait, Comet Haley, what? No, I really should have said Haley's comment. All right. Anyway. So. Anyway, so the yes, Mike, it's the Orionids. Is the other oh meteor shower on October twenty in October? Orionids. Right, cool. Orionids. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway. I see you. Anyway, for the Aquanid. Aquarids. Aquarids. There's about um, 10 to 20 meteors per hour, so it's not like a super fancy show. Um, <laughs> just saying. And But these, these meteors, uh, they are traveling fast. They're going 148,000 miles per hour. Super fast. And so these fast meteors, they have a tendency to leave these glowing sort of trains behind them that can last for several section of several seconds to uh to mid it to I think folks, we've hit the point in the show. We're all a little toasty and doing just fine. Except for Mike. Mike is displaying a lack of Drink up. <laughs> drink up. Yes. I almost done my my drink. I, I, I have no more that? drinks I'm smaller after than you. If there are any references, <laughs> I now have to turn to water. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, by the way, we didn't mention this last time uh, for the last High in the Sky, which where we had the Lyrids meteor shower. Um, but the best way to view a meteor shower um, is in the early morning hours, um, after midnight usually, go outside and get something warm and lay down on the ground and just look up. Like, don't look in the direction of Aquarius because you're you're yeah, actually you're gonna miss it. Yeah, you're actually gonna miss it. It's you're gonna see more if you're just looking straight up at this at the sky. And I also want to point out as well to don't expect to see them immediately. Give your eyes a couple yeah. minutes to adjust to the dark, and then you'll see much more. Yes, you yeah, definitely do have your the eyes best adjust. time to um, go out is after midnight. Mm-hmm. I said that. And if you see if you oh, see yeah. a line of light in the sky throughout it's the horizon, Starlink. horizon, that's a Starlink, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and that's bullshit. A Starlink fucking up every meteor shower near you. <laughs> All right, right well, thank you. All right, thank you, Liz, for the uh, night sky events that are coming up now. Mike George, <laughs> take it away with the uh, mythographer's corner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um. Uh, like I said earlier, I got to pick the uh, constellation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it was Gemini, and it, it really was like, oh, I really want to hold on to winter a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picked Gemini. Um, it's up for the two weeks, so uh, we're gonna talk about. What it do I didn't I didn't say this, but what do people know Gemini as? Which is another zodiac constellation. It's known as twins. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, and you know, <laughs> the Greeks. The Greeks weren't the only ones who saw twins. They never fact. are. No, oh. I know, right? Um, our first um, idea of twins uh, came from India. Oh wow! Yeah. Actually, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. So about six thousand years ago, six thousand years ago, um, it was known as um, Oswin, um, the twin horsemen of the dawn. So, um, but the concept of twins did not stay there. Oh. It moved. <gasps> yes, it moved what? from India to Persia, Ooh. and then from Persia to Greece, <gasps> then to Rome, and then to the rest it's of Europe. Like and then the to beacons the world. are lit. The beacons are lit. <laughs> Gondor has called for aid. <laughs> and Rohan, oh, sorry, and Castor will answer. Sorry, Mike, you got to get that. <laughs> All right, so um, so India sees it as the twin horsemen of the dawn. Uh, Babylonia also called it the great twins, um, and I'm going to butcher this. Just but, confidence, but confidence. with confidence. Um, so Meslintea. He got it. <laughs> and Lugalira. Lugalira. Got it. All right, I'm so um, these are known as the one who has arisen from the underworld. I, I like how it says it's the one, but there are fucking two of them. Yeah. But anyway, it's the one who has arisen from the underworld. It's associated with Nergal, which is the god of plague and pestilence, which was the trump Why? of the time in Babylonia. Why does Nergal sound so that's incredibly a, familiar? That's, a, that's Nergal, what Mars was called! Nergal That's is, a Babylonian name for Mars! It is. Yes. Oh, that's what it was! Yeah! Yes. yes. But 
the story that we all kind of associate with, uh, with the twins, of course, is is the Greek story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to ancient Greeks. It was known as um, uh, Dioscuri, um, which was um, sons of Zeus. Interestingly enough, I only mean, one of them was. But I mean, yeah, they're all sons of Zeus. He <laughs> fucked everything. He, yeah. fucked, he fucked everything you know and everyone. We're gonna get to that. Okay. Here in a moment. I'm excited. <laughs> All right, so um, first kind of cataloged by Ptolemy, um, the Greek astronomer in the yeah, second century. Yeah. Basically, the the twins for uh, for Greece, mm-hmm. I mean for for Gemini, are um, Castor and Pollux, also known as Polydeuces. We're gonna call them Pollux. Polydeuces. Polydeuces, dude, bro. Oh, I, I just it was took polydeuces. a po- I just took like- a Polydeuce, man. <laughs> What is all right? But anyway, uh, we're well, gonna call that, them. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Polly deuces. I just want to say that that's probably what Ron and Harry and Hermione did after they took the Polly juice potions. <laughs> <laughs> we may continue now. All right. So, um, um, Castor and Pollux were were brothers. Castor um, was mortal, and Pollux was immortal. That's right. Castor and Pollux, very close brothers. Yeah. Um, they grew up in the households of Tyndarius and, and, and Leda. Very close. Go on all kinds of adventures together Aww. as kids and even as 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 grown-ups. Um, Castor. Like and Pippin. <laughs> but brothers. Castor and Pollux, both very smart kids. Um, now have to take a drink. Yeah, I'm out of, I'm out of real drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gone. Beautiful sound effect. You're welcome. Yep. All right, so I'm All very right. confused already. Let's continue. Yeah. All right, so Castor and Pollux, they grow up together, uh, very close to each other um, as not, I mean, a lot of brothers aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they, but they are. Um, Castor is known as a great herdsman and really uh, awesome at fencing. Which is not exactly the I, Greek. Um, I was gonna say sword play I, that I think about. No, I thought well, when I when I think of ancient Greek sword play, it means something else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's hey, called guys, that that's called a mentorship. Thank you, Liz. That's actually solid. That was well done. <laughs> well, so we're gonna say um, just sword play because I think uh, of like fencing as a French thing, or, but. The Musketeers. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, okay. so Pollux was really good at boxing. He was a boxer. Oh, okay. All right. But like I said, they they go on many adventures together. They were um, part of Jason's crew of Argonauts. Oh, okay. And trying to get the get that golden, golden fleece. fleece. Yep. Get it. So, so there are a couple of stories that are really kind of associated with them. Um, in this quest to get the golden fleece. Mm-hmm. Um, cat, uh, so a great storm came. It was going to just end this adventure, this quest. Um, but these two um, stars appeared over Castor and Pollux and everything kind of calmed down from that. A very, a very Jesus moment uh, for them. But anyway, so um, because of that, and because the storm calmed, um, Castor and Pollux are known as the protector of sailors now. And they're also associated with um, St. Elmo's Fire, which is a good omen for sailors. Yes, indeed. What? I thought that when was just like an 80s a... TV show or something. What? I thought that was just like it, an 80s it was a, TV show, it, St. Elmo's Fire. No, it was a movie. Wasn't was it a movie? movie? Had was Rob Lowe? Had was the it Rob Lowe? second okay. version of the, of the Brat Pack in it. Yeah. So it had Rob Lowe and, and all those... Everybody in it. Oh. It's from the 80s. Um, yeah. What are the 80s? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm still living in my 80s. 20s, man. I got a few more months. Jesus. Let me have this. <laughs> but also in the um, adventures of the Argonauts, um, um, Amicus. It's not like an insurance company. But anyway, Amicus was uh, the son of Poseidon, the ruler of Asia Minor. Um, he would not let... Um, Jason and everybody leave Asia Minor until they um, um, they got into a boxing match. Fucking men. <laughs> I know, right? Testosterone. So since um, Pollux was really good at boxing and immortal, he basically <laughs> could. I would say it, he doesn't even have to be good at boxing. <laughs> he, he basically just kicked 
uh, Amika's ass, and they and they went on their way. All right. Um, but the end of the story does not end with Jason and the Argonauts. Oh. The end of the yeah. story doesn't end. I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's more Never to the story. story. Hurry! Oh, but it is about ready to end. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, there are different versions to this story, but I like. This one. Okay. This is the one I like. It's generally about who likes what, as what I gets know, right? told, right? So, Castor and Pollux fell madly in love with these beautiful uh, sisters. They, they go did. by the name of Phoebe, Phoebe and Hilaire. Well, because, of course, Phoebe's immortal. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but they and were they already betrothed to two oh. brothers. Two twins, in fact. <laughs> what are the chances? Yeah, I know, right? Named Idas and Lincius, um, who were also Argonauts. So they've already been on adventures. So Castor and Pollux Pollux. knew these guys. They knew them. So Castor and Pollux, they hatched this plan. They hatched this plan. They're like, you know what? I really want these. We really want these two women. So they snatch them up and they carry them off. And they are pursued. They're pursued by Idas and Lincius. Day and night, they're pursued. Well, they eventually catch them. I mean, because, you know, all stories, you get caught. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they get caught, and there's this big-ass fucking fight over over these two women. Um, and Idas stabs Castor. <gasps> Remember, Castor, mortal dude. Oh. Yeah. That's right. So, oh. That's, that's right. Oh. Not good. Not good. Okay. Pollock sees this. He's fighting Lincius. He, he sees this. He's fucking filled with rage at this. This yeah. is his brother. Yeah. They've been on many adventures. Yeah. So he basically just rips Lindsay's head off. I mean, he destroys him. Um, and he goes over. He's ready to fight um, Idas. But Zeus intervenes. He casts down a, a thunderbolt, basically saving them. Um, from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, Pollux is immortal. He could have taken them. He yeah, could have fucking taken them. he can't die. <laughs> but whatever. All right. So um, Zeus intervenes, but Pollux is devastated. He's overcome with grief over the loss of his brother. Um, in fact, so much so that they basically, you don't hear anything about the women anymore. That's in, that's in the story no more. Of course. They didn't have a choice to begin with, and now irrelevant. Yeah. So so Pollux, he's devastated. He's overcome with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to die, but as an immortal, he cannot commit suicide. So that's just not going to happen. Um, and so he pleads with his, his dad. He's like, hey, you know, what can I do? Uh, what can we do? There's got to be a solution to this. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, Zeus thinks about it and comes back to him probably like a week later. Probably <laughs> a week later. Um, and he says, you know what? I have a solution. And what he does um, is Zeus places both of them up in the sky together uh, where we see them as the twins. And where they were inseparable in life, they're now inseparable in the universe. Aww. So they get to spend quote-unquote, eternity together. The physics in my head is going, all right, that's not going to happen, but whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about the actual emotion of those two stars. Like, no, they're going to they're gonna move apart. Yeah, they move yeah apart. obviously. But um, now I'm curious, uh, Brandon, you told it a different way in the dome. How did you tell it? Oh, no. I mean, so obviously, this is a long version of it, but how did you right. tell it in the dome? I took like five seconds because it wasn't <laughs> one of my main stories. We all have our main stories we focus on. Yeah. So we got Castor and Pollux. They were, they, uh, they were both twins, and they both loved each other immensely. But eventually, uh, whichever one was mortal, Castor, Pollux? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Castor. When, when Castor died, Pollux became so sad and upset that he threw up in the sky to join his brother. And then I moved on. Yeah, that was pretty much exactly how I told it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a beautiful story it of brotherly love. Of, of course. Um, right. Except so, for the women involved. But yeah, beautiful the story. The what? I know. Oh, man. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. that story this week. Yeah, it, I you know it's my last to hold on to winter. Now mm-hmm. we now we go to spring and yeah, summer. Now it's gone. Now we just gotta wait. Yeah, months. <laughs> <laughs> well, but um, with that, um, that is the the end of high in the sky. High in the and sky, everyone. Again, 
Next week, join us for an incredible look back at Hubble, mm -hmm. which has mm -hmm. completely just changed our view of the 30 years. Changed, changed our view of the universe. Yes. It's been amazing, and I can't wait. I can't wait for what its successor, the James Webb Space Telescope, what that's going to bring, because um, Hubble has been absolutely just. My, my palms get sweaty when you bring up James Webb. Yeah. Uh, so let's get there first, folks. Yeah, exactly. So, um, thank you for joining us, everyone uh, listening. Thank you for everyone uh, who came on Twitch to uh, check us out. Again, we'll be back next week. Um, yeah, so we'll see you next week. We'll and see you next week. of course, um, everybody have a great week. Stay healthy, stay safe. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye, everyone.